0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Dr. Jacob Hardin, owner of Prehab 101. We had a great discussion today about why injuries happen and how to go about rehabbing these injuries, as well as how to create more robust and resilient athletes. Whether you are a clinician, coach, or athlete, I think you'll find some very valuable information in this podcast. So let's tune in. Jake, thank you for joining me today, how are you?
1: I'm great, how are you?
0: I'm amazing, thank you. So I am very excited to talk to you. Um, I've listened to you on a number of podcasts, I've looked into kind of what you do and I've followed you on social media for a while, so I'm thrilled to get you on, um, just kind of learn more about what you do and have you share all your information with my people as well.
1: Oh cool, well I'm excited to go over whatever we wanna talk about.
0: Sweet let's get into first, I know you're a chiropractor, but you don't do the, when you think about a normal chiropractor, you don't do kind of what they all do. So let's just talk about a little bit about your background and kind of why you do, why you practice the way you do.
1: Sure. So... I guess my practice is very active care oriented. So I 99% of the time using education and exercise with my clients versus I think what most people consider to be the standard chiropractic practice would be the adjustment or passive therapies. Uh Um, And so I've just kind of found over time and that, you know, exercise is the thing that's going to lead to long-term results. And There's a lot of things you can do to reduce someone's pain like we know that passive therapies can do that as well as exercise can do that but at the end of the day passive therapies can't get you stronger and so if you got hurt because you weren't able to withstand the demand of whatever life threw at you and that's usually kind of what happens whenever we get hurt then There's probably we probably need to increase your ability to withstand that demand before the rehab is over. So exercise has to kind of come into the plan at some point. It doesn't just end whenever the symptoms go away. So over time, you know, I just kind of found, well, you know, exercise can kind of do it all. It also puts the it also kind of puts it into the patient's hands to be able to, you know, take care of themselves. It promotes more self-efficacy and kind of an internal locus of control for them. So rather than having them rely on me, I wanted them to be able to rely on themselves. So I always kind of say like, I, I try and put myself out of business all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so true though, as far as when we are focusing more on the, let's get someone stronger, more resilient, it kind of does. Cause your goal is to essentially never see them again once, yeah. once you get them better.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, that's really what I want. I don't want people in my office as much as great as that would be for business. You know, the, the end goal of rehabilitation is to see someone walk out those doors and not need to come back because they're out there living the life they want to live.
0: Yeah. And making them or helping them be independent in knowing how to do that as well. Yeah. When you're working with your, actually, let me ask this first. Do you see people more on an injury basis or more on a preventative like let's not get injured basis
1: uh more of an injury basis
0: more injury basis okay yeah so when you're working with them kind of getting them out of pain and into activity kind of what does that look like for you are you pretty light initially or are you getting them loaded right away
1: you know everyone's going to present a bit differently so if somebody's presenting in like an acute pain scenario, like i the pain literally came on yesterday. They felt like a pull or something. Um, They're really having trouble moving around. You know, we might not do a ton of hard loading for them day one, because just time is probably going to reduce a lot of those symptoms and no one really walks around in acute pain forever. So just getting them kind of, It's more of the education side of things at that point, just getting them to kind of just, hey, here move around. Here's some things that we found to kind of hurt. So let's modify those activities down so we don't continually to we don't continue to just irritate over and over. And if we can do those things as well as maybe a couple things that just make you feel a bit better, then a lot of that acute pain will probably start to reduce down, probably within a within a week. So then sometimes some things are self-limiting and that's really all we need to do like I strained my neck yesterday so like I'm moving a little bit like a robot today and I know that you know I know that it's going to just clear itself out and I'm not really going to need a long extensive process after that and be able just to go back to whatever normal life and normal weight training and all that was um, so that's what kind of what we call a self-limiting condition doesn't really require an extensive process a lot of low back pains like that too like a lot of it kind of clears itself out in about six weeks um but if we have more of an extensive injury where okay that acute pain's down but maybe there was some tissue damage that has that needs to heal and we need to re-strengthen that tissue coming out of the injury then we will get people loaded up and we will start to improve upon that if we have somebody who's been dealing with an issue for just years and years and years that's more of a persistent issue then we're probably starting to load them more day one because they're probably not unless they're walking into some sort of like really bad flare-up it's probably what we call what I call load dominant to where if you know if I do a test on somebody the harder I push on an area the more it kind of hurts but the less that we push the less it hurts so it tends to be that there is a certain load they can withstand and a load they can't so we try and push the envelope a little bit of that tolerance
0: cool what are your thoughts when it comes to injuries and i know there are far and few but you know there's a lot of variables that go on but when looking at injuries how much do you think is a result of like training volume versus someone just not having the support in their joints versus being a mobility issue in some area.
1: Um, I would look at the load as the major factor for sure. Uh, I mean, I can never assign a percentage to it because pain, you know, all injuries multifactorial. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no one thing that it was. I mean, you know, I guess if you step off a curb wrong, you just roll your ankle, then maybe there's a one thing kind of thing. But for the most part, you have to understand that the human body is an adaptable system. So we can pretty much adapt to anything given that you give it enough time that you give it the right stimulus. So usually what we're going to see is that there's some sort of training volume or training load issue. Someone either went too hard for too long or they did way too much too soon. So, and that's, you know, outside of the really big acute injuries like the acute traumatic injuries that tends to be the thing that happens so the load applied really needs to be the thing that we dive into first and foremost
0: so when you're working thinking about the new athlete at the gym um like my biggest thing is with, with when injuries happen early on is like I kind of just call it the ego is your enemy. Like it's those people who want to keep up with everyone else who's there and don't have the strength for it, don't have the training for it. Um, And so I think, at least in my opinion, like it's those that we really need to be watching that volume and that load on in order to keep them safe.
1: Sure. So we have a metric that we keep on training load called the acute to chronic workload ratio where your acute load is say the, the training volume or the, Um, if you're familiar with the term volume load that you're working with this week or this session versus your chronic load is the average of what you've done over the last three to six weeks. Okay, so whenever someone comes in brand new, they haven't really worked out, well, their chronic load is zero. Basically, you haven't done anything. So we actually keep this metric of this ratio where you divide the acute load by the chronic load and if obviously you're we doing this if they were the same number they would come out to 1 whereas if you're above 1 that means you're doing more this week than you were the last 3 to 6 weeks and eventually that does have to trend up because we know progressive overload is a thing and it's not necessarily about always keeping that at 1 but it's more so about don't let it get out of control so we don't want to see huge spikes in that load so we don't want to see you doing a large amount of work more than what you have been accustomed to basically so whenever we get someone brand new into the gym well that chronic load is zero meaning you cannot avoid having that load spike up right and you don't really have any sort of repeated bout effect in place where whenever you stress your body and you aren't accustomed to that stress, you tend to take on more tissue damage than uh, after you've done it once or twice or three times, because your body starts to adapt to it and you get kind of a protective effect against that stressor. So, as an example, there you come in first day ever doing Romanian deadlifts, like the next day, it doesn't matter how much volume you did, your hamstrings are so sore, right? You because you took on quite a bit of damage with that, and then you know, over the course of maybe a four to six week training program of doing those fairly consistently, you gradually are getting less and less sore with them. You're becoming more accustomed to them. So we don't have a repeat about effect in place. We don't have any sort of chronic load in place. So that's kind of why we would take that person who is brand new and say, all right, you really need to ease in because you're the person who can really fall into a too much too soon kind of scenario because you can really really uh, overdo it pretty quickly
0: definitely what are some for someone maybe they're just going to the gym on their own versus going to any sort of crossfit gym, structure type workout what are some things people should be watching for um, when they might be getting this um, whether it's an overtraining effect or like borderline injury type things going on
1: there's a few things you can look at. Uh, first thing is to do your research before going in and kind of just understand what a good amount of training volume should be for someone who is kind of new to all this. So we know that like one set taken to failure can provide a adaptive stimulus for someone who's untrained. So you really don't, it really does not take a lot at all. Maybe looking at maybe two to three sets per muscle group in a workout is probably a good spot for most people to be in Um, and then maybe do that two to three times a week so that's probably going to look at maybe full body exercises or full body workouts and having them in the gym two to three times a week doing that and that's just going to help them kind of keep that volume load in control then you need to. So that's kind of what we call your external load. It's what you're actually going to apply to your body. Then you also need to um, see. Well, how did you respond to that, right? So if you're if you're stepping into this world, you need to realize that it's not just a oh well, here's what I do on paper. Let's go do it. It's a constant planning, monitoring, and then responding to however you responded to it. So you can monitor things like all right, zero to 10, how hard was that workout today? You can ask yourself that. And, you know, if you're rating consistently day one, oh, that was a nine out of 10, probably wasn't the best thing. So you probably don't want to, where do you go from there, right? You probably want to start more like a five or six, you know, maybe a four to six. And then over the course of maybe week two, you get yourself up into the five to seven range, Whenever Maybe week three, you decide to push into that eight to nine range a little bit. So you're having those really hard workouts a few weeks in. So ask yourself how hard was it? That's a good metric you can look at. The other thing you could start to look at is your recovery. So how sore were you after that workout? You know, soreness is pretty normal to feel for two to three days after a workout. You can usually climb up. But if it's starting to last you more than three days or it's starting you're still walking into your next training session pretty excessively sore to the point it feels like it's limiting you well you probably did too much work in the last session so now you can need to go back and you need to look at what you did and so you need to track your training right write it all down and say all right well you know what i did four sets here of uh, for this muscle group. I did four sets for pecs And yeah, my chest is extremely sore and I'm still into this next workout. Well, maybe today we only do two sets. We only do three sets. And then we see how we respond by the next workout. And so you're gonna have to just kind of dial it in a little bit as you go. Um, And it's kind of start low and build up from there.
0: Cool, thank you for that. Let's actually go to, like, let's just talk about shoulder pain a little bit since it's a very common issue. someone starts experiencing some sort of pain in their shoulder um, with just working out in general. What are some, like what do you like to tell people for signs of when it's stuff that they can just kind of treat on their own and what can they do for it? Or um, when should they seek out professional help of some sort?
1: Well, you, you should always seek out professional help for an assessment. If, you aren't sure of what it is or how to go about managing it (laughs) because i mean that's just that's Mm -hmm. what we're trained to do like we're trained to tell you what to do so if you don't know or you're not confident in what to do next then you should seek out a professional if it comes on pretty insidiously like you don't know what caused it it's always there Um, nothing's really can modify it. It doesn't really seem like anything can make it worse. Doesn't really seem like anything can make it better. Go get that looked at. Um, but if it's more so like, you know, my shoulder hurts every time I bench press over 150 pounds. Well, if I go, but if I go to 135, it seems to be fine that's probably something that you can work your way through um, if you're confident that you know how to do that in adjusting loads and maybe adding in some exercises to potentially work with that a little bit. But you need to kind of understand how that process works first. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what it comes down to is are you confident in that you know what it is and how you're going to manage it?
0: I think the important thing to point out as well is like, the longer you continue to push through it and just kind of hope it goes away, then essentially the longer it's going to take to get better as well.
1: Yeah, sometimes that really can happen because things get more and more sensitive the more you push through them. You know, and it start you, you. The common thing I'll see is, yeah, I used to hurt whenever I was going heavy. And then it kind of started hurting during more of my work, more of my lighter work sets. And I kind of just kept pushing through it. And then it started hurting during my warm up. And well, now I really just can't bench press at all anymore. Now I can't squat anymore at all. And so, hey, that's why I'm here because now this thing has, it's real, I've tried to work through it. I can't work through it anymore. Um, I've had to eliminate this movement. So, what do we do now? And that's really when people start to actually seek out help, is whenever they're at a loss. And so that's kind of why I give that recommendation because that, I mean, I would ideally love for someone to come sooner, like, Hey, felt this yesterday. And what is it? Can you educate me here? What do we think we should do? I understand it's probably, that's really not the world we live in. Um, So, you know, we have to give some guidelines based off of that, off the world that we do live in.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what do you? I know you put out a ton of information or a ton of things on um, Instagram as far as just constant education on different things people can do for day to day in day to day life. Let's kind of go into why you started doing that and um, how it can benefit people.
1: Well, I, again, it kind of comes down to that the world we live in kind of thing. I understand and I accept that people are going to try and help themselves before they seek someone out and to put it lightly there is a plethora of crap on the internet (coughs) as far as what you could find um towards injuries and that sort of thing so i felt like well if they're gonna someone's gonna seek out information then maybe they should at least have some good information to find so that was kind of my initial thought process behind that in that well i have I have the knowledge to help people. I have a platform to help people. They want to help themselves. So why don't I just try? Um, and I kind of just went all in on the thought that, well, people have a lot of self efficacy and they really want to help themselves. So, um, and I was right. Like people really do want to help themselves. So, and that, and they want to help their friends and they want to help their family, you know, and all that. And so that's kind of why I started doing that. It was just to provide some better information than what I was seeing out there. And I mean, I think the ironic thing is when I've looking back at the content I put out three years ago, some of it was just adding to the crap that was on the internet because I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite right either, you know? Um, and that's a, that can be a dangerous game too. And you know, that's a lot of things that people fall into is we all think that we're right. Is with what we're saying and maybe we're not and maybe i'm not now (laughs) but (laughs) uh, i think i think that you know as i've read more and more literature and you know i feel like we're putting out a very evidence-based approach to things now um and so that definitely uh hopefully gives people a better direction to run to um before you know if they're not going to go see somebody cool
0: and then you're you're out I know you do a lot of courses, are they just for athletes, or are they actually for clinicians as well?
1: Yes, my courses are for health and fitness professionals. So we go through and I kind of teach on my approach to rehabilitation, and what the literature says um, about rehabilitation and working through injuries, how injuries occur, uh, how we can reduce our risk of injuries, and try and really simplify the process Towards helping people come back from them, and try and give a more of a get people thinking critically on how the, the things they do and the things they apply towards injuries. So yes, we're working mostly with professionals on that. Cool.
0: Going into that a little bit as far as why injuries occur, um, when we're talking about we talked about load, training volume, that sort of thing, um, but just kind of thinking. Seeing a little bit more into it where do you find like when it comes to technique issues where do you find kind of the most injuries occur or do you kind of transcend that um, aspect
1: well that's a tough question because technique in and of itself does not lead to injuries so we know that someone can as as would get labeled as moving poorly unless they and not get hurt so we know somebody can not look right but still walk away from it pain-free and the reason for that is typically because the load that they're using within that technique is still within their body's capacity so if we think about your body has a certain ceiling of how much stress it can take how you move doesn't inherently change your risk of injury how you move just changes how the load is distributed across the body, okay? So as an example of that, if, if we're coming up from a squat and where classically you would say good technique is to see the n- knees, hips, back all kind of rise at the same, uh, same time and the bar stays right over the midfoot. So you're loading the knees and the hips and the back all pretty evenly versus what might get labeled as poor technique is to see the knee shoot back the hips shoot up and you kind of do a good morning squat with it where the bar kind of travels forward um, off the midfoot Mm -hmm. well that's not necessarily inherently more injurious but what it does do is just says okay well i just reduce the load on the on the quads and it just would increase the load on the low back and the hips and the hamstrings so now the question becomes well is your posterior chain strong enough to withstand that load right is it and if it is you're fine if it's not you're not so i don't know that we can necessarily say oh well you move this way you get hurt um because it's not really the case is where do we draw the line between bending down to pick up you know a golf ball versus bending down to pick and rounding our back in a deadlift it's mm-hmm. all kind of loaded spinal flexion at the end of the day so where's that delineating line of saying oh well, here it's not getting here you don't get hurt and here you do is it 100 pounds is it 300 pounds is it 400 pounds where is that line and it's going to be different for everybody right because people can get hurt with perfect technique and people can get hurt with poor technique and it's really not about the technique it's about the load and what are you prepared for so, I would say then that if we're talking about technique, it's really more about just try and be consistent with what you're doing and look at technique more from a performance standpoint than you do from an injury standpoint. Because there are definitely best ways to move weights around for performance. Um, but then, you know, small deviations off of that probably aren't going to hurt you. Uh, because yeah, if you're constantly starting to think that, you know, ooh, that looks so bad, like that can kind of become a self fulfilling prophecy for you. And that, yeah. Oh, well now my back is starting to ache a bit more. Oh yeah. My hip doesn't feel quite right. So realize that you kind of can do it. Um, so the long answer to that question is I don't think I necessarily look at technique as being a grand factor in like which injuries I see. Um, I just look at the person in front of me and, you know, is the way they're moving putting them into a more sensitized position or, or do they seem to handle it? Okay.
0: That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Kind of finish off. Let's go. I know it's hard to throw all preventative resilient athlete things in one big happy package, but uh, if you get to give like top three things for someone to, who's, Starting to work out, or maybe coming off of injury, on things they can do to become more resilient as an athlete.
1: Strength train, recover, rinse and repeat forever. <laughs> like that—that that really is the thing. So you have like injury prevention is doesn't need to be super complex. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's made complex by the internet, but it's not. It's, it's preparation for demand. Okay, if. And let's make give an extreme example because everyone will understand this. If you have not run in a long time, um, basically you don't run at all, do you think that you're ready to go run a marathon? Do you think your knees are going to feel good running that marathon? Do you think your feet are going to feel good running that marathon? No, probably not. Right. They're probably not going to. But whenever your friend signs up for a marathon and you sign up as like moral support and then you go get hurt. Right. That that happens. You know, that's not too far off from somebody joining boot camp because they wanted to go and be a part of it with their friend and they really fell in love with it and they liked the way it made them feel and they were wanted to get their body back. And so they started doing it five days a week after they were when they've been totally untrained and now they're doing a bunch of HIT workouts and high intensity stuff that they are rating as a nine out of 10 workout five days a week coming from a baseline of zero. Yeah, that's where a lot of our general population are running into issues. They're running into issues there, they're running into issues whenever they switch up their program a little bit, maybe add a day, take away a day, you know. Um and the other thing where they run into issues is whenever life gets in the way. So they're coasting along and they're doing their thing. And, but then it's, you know, they get super stressed or they're not sleeping well or their kids are sick and life kind of compounds on them. And so when life compounds on you, because life is a stressor, you don't recover as well. And so you start walking to the gym and that workout starts to feel a lot harder than it normally does. Or you just start to feel like you're dragging a little bit more. So, and you just kind of keep pushing through that. And What's happening there is you are going kind of a too hard, too long situation and you're under recovering. So when we look at overload, you can have what we call absolute overload, which is where literally the load on the body is too high. So it doesn't matter how resilient you are, the load on the body can just be too high. That's why we say you can't ever really prevent injury. We're just reducing our risk of it. And that's by trying to push our ceiling up as high as possible, which comes from preparation. And that's the best way for the average person to do that is via strength training. The other type of overload you can have is relative overload, which is where in a normal situation, the load would be fine, but the capacity of the system is down. Basically you're not recovering well enough. So first strength train, second recover. And then third thing is just, you have to kind of rinse and repeat that, but you have to monitor that process along the way. And you have to realize that there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs and there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And you have to learn how to pivot. You know, it's, it's not a game of, okay, I just go to the gym and I just show up and I just do what's on the paper every day. Some days you're going to have to go off the paper. Some days you're going to have to reduce the weight. Sometimes you're going to have to cut a set or two off. You know, sometimes you're just going to have to adjust and kind of train by feel, A little bit because you need to realize that it's a really long game and and there's no rush to make that PR You know for nine out of ten people. There's no rush because we're not in competition You know, there's nothing going on there. So If you feel like you need that day off if you feel like you need a week off If you feel like you need to deload Then do it because that's playing that long game Um and take the wins when they're there, but cut your losses when you need to
0: Awesome Great points on everything right there. I love it. So, Jake, if someone wants to follow you, find you, ask you questions, how can they do that?
1: Best way to find me is uh, via my Instagram. Uh, that is at dr.jacob.harden. Um, people also tend to send me emails at prehab101 at gmail.com, or you can find me on basically any social media platform out there, uh, Dr. Jacob Harden.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate um, you talking with me today. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.